0: Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Inantech Podcast. This is Podcast 38, one that I'm it Smartphones Anonymous, because we're going to talk about everything smartphone and a little bit wearable as well. I'm Ian Cutris, your host, and joining me today is Joshua Ho, our Senior Smartphone Editor. Hey guys. And a new face on the podcast as well, Matt Humrick, our new smartphone editor. Hello. Now, Josh... You've been in the midst of San Francisco at a lot of um very fruit based company events. And I know Matt Matt's been hot on the heels following the news and helping write everything up. Um so, Apple. Apple's annual September event. How busy was it? Uh
1: it was like almost like I I was starting to get like flashbacks of traffic, you know, like rush hour traffic almost. That's kinda what it felt like. But it was, like, people.
0: <laughs> I was just reading that the arena holds 7,000 people, and it certainly looked that on the uh, on the live stream.
1: Yeah, there there are a ton of people. Um, if I showed up probably about 8.30, um, and the line for non-media was
0: pretty much all the way around the block. Do they actually open these events up to the press, or is it just select people and employees and... Uh you get a ticket to go in. Uh so as far as
1: press goes, it's they're not gonna let anyone in the day of. Um but if if you if if you register ahead of time, um, then you just show up and that's pretty much it. And I think there are a lot of like Apple employees that show up as well.
0: Yeah, I noticed that during the live stream they stood up a couple of times just to say, hey, here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've actually noticed Anand behind me more than a few times. So <laughs> He's he's
0: doing well, I presume. Yes.
2: I think you need That's a golden good. ticket to get in there, don't you? Find a golden, <laughs> if, find the golden if, ticket if, in if the It might bar. be
0: for some people. It might. That means that they have lots of interesting products to show off, and I want to jump straight in with the first one they announced, which was the updates to the Apple Watch, the uh, now-named Apple Watch Series 2. Yes. Um, so, the naming scheme... Just So just clarify, the Apple Watch that's currently on the market is still called Apple Watch, but that's going to be end of life. Then we're going to have the new watch, which is going to be called Series 2. But they're also going to sell the old watch in a new format with a new uh, silicon in package called Series 1. Explain what that's all about. Uh, you mean the S2? Sort of SIP? Yeah. Or,
1: okay, so... They didn't really say a lot about this, but basically the summary goes something like they, they now have a dual core CPU. Um, they're not really talking about what it is. You know, like, is it Cortex A7 still? Mm, who knows? Um, and also a faster GPU.
0: And that's pretty much all they said. So. The Series 1 and the Series 2 watches. So Series 1 will be the old watch with the old functionality, but with the new processor. And the Series 2 is the new right. processor with the new functionality.
1: Right, all the all the new shiny stuff.
0: Um. What makes it so shiny?
1: Well, you know, actually, it's not... I guess, like, as far as appearances go, there's there is nothing really new. I guess it's not the new shiny. It sort of looks like Apple Watch 1, pretty much. Is that gonna
0: be a ten thousand
1: dollar gold edition? No. Actually actually that's dead. The gold the gold is dead. So you
2: can long, no longer wear it. Gold is dead, long live ceramic. Yes, that's <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah, so the, the Apple Watch edition is no longer available in the ridiculously expensive gold. Um, Apple Watch Edition now comes in a white ceramic case, which is still expensive but not as what is it, twelve fifty or something?
1: Right, yeah, yes. in the order of $1,200 to $1,300.
0: No, but bearing in mind that the base is only 369 with the right. Series 1 at 269 if I remember correctly.
1: Right, yeah, and those are for the aluminum cases with uh, basically Gorilla Glass, but not really. I think they call it Ion X.
0: So the, the new Series 2 um, updates include, aside from the dual core and the new GPU um we now have uh, gps tracking so people want yes. to use it as a fitness um it's now kind of water resistant did i get that right it's
1: actually it's actually quite water resistant i would i would actually say if it lives up to the promise like you could you could pretty much take it anywhere and not worry about it it's rated to 50 meters of water
2: 164 feet
1: yeah so, so you can, I'm pretty sure you can shower with it and not worry that much.
2: Yeah, I think they said that I looked up the ISO standard it's rated to. And like you said, it's rated for up to 50 meters. Uh, basically can withstand that pressure. Um, so yeah, swimming and everything is fine. Um, the only thing is it doesn't stand up to like high velocity water jets. So, you know, Apple gave the uh, example of water skiing. So, even though right. it, you're not even in the water, but just having the water being forced at at it at a high velocity it's not rated for that but.
1: right it's it's a function of pressure, so it can handle up to the pressure of fifty meters of water
2: so
0: um software side what's new on the software side? did they say anything
1: uh it's watch o s three they added some extra exercising things uh mostly targeted at swimming, so different types of swimming they said there is an algorithm that they developed so that over time it actually learns your sort of stroke efficiency and and so instead of sort of like an average it, it actually figures out okay what first of all if you you can specify are you swimming in like a pool or swimming in the ocean and then it'll learn how well you swim
0: over time to figure out how many calories you're burning it doesn't sound like there's that much new with this watch i mean with with these smart watches we're still in a time frame where features are added every generation and they're just added and added and added not really to the point where okay we have to actually exchange this for that
2: yeah i think we're still in the very early days where the technology is you know barely ready um so, right. Yeah.
1: So stuff like just getting the display right. So this generation, the display is now a thousand nits. That's what they said. I don't know what that actually means, because um, I've also seen claims that the Note Seven is a thousand nits, but that's totally
0: not the case. So, so, so just to clarify with when they quote a brightness, it's typically the best case scenario with one white pixel.
1: Uh, I've seen I've seen figures like that before. But.
2: Yeah, I'm sure Apple's figure is probably a bit more realistic. Um, it's probably, you know, like on Samsung's phones where they have the uh, auto brightness boost in sunlight. Right. Right. And, but close. also,
1: but Samsung themselves, they don't actually say, oh yeah, the Note 7 is a thousand nits or anything. It, it's closer to, I think they say 500. So maybe, maybe that's actually true. I think we, we really need to test it to, Josh, to find eight. out.
0: You, you tested the first Apple Watch, right?
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah, it did you... got to about um, like just below 500 nits. Uh, did, did you like it? Uh, So, it's all... Here's the thing, right? I would say that most smartwatches I tried, like Pebble and the very early Android Wear watches, I, I really didn't see the point, right? Like, this is... It, it, there was just not a lot of value there and the apple watch was the first time that i could actually say okay maybe maybe this isn't just a total waste of time this isn't just a total gimmick that's going to fade in like 2 years and we're all going to forget about it right but apple watch 1 in watch os 2 right is still not ready for most things it it works for basic things right it works for basic fitness tracking i can see my messages i can at least respond to messages and maybe take calls, um, you know, use Apple Pay, these kinds of things, but it's missing a ton of functionality. And also, in Watch OS 2, it's incredibly slow.
2: Yeah, and that was really the biggest limitation, because the whole point of having the smartwatch is to get instant access to your information without having to pull right, your phone out right. and unlock it. So if the, if the watch can't do that, then what's the point? Right, so I, exactly. So, so I think, you know, the changes with Watch OS 3, um, sound like they're going to help that a lot. And then obviously right. with the, uh, the S2 SIP in, uh, Apple Watch Series 2, um, hopefully the performance issues are, are fixed.
1: I mean, so when I tried it, it was a lot faster, right? Before I was just like staring at a loading screen, um,
0: and that's, that's pretty much gone away. How many hours of battery did you get on the first watch? And how many are they quoting uh, for the new one? I
1: don't actually know how much they're quoting. Um, and honestly, I don't really know if there's a great way of testing battery life, but I've, I've never had to charge the Apple watch before the end of a day. Um, usually I can go more than one day, probably like two days if I really stretch it but it's like kind of it's kind of variable. I don't know why. Sometimes sometimes it's like it never ever drains. It's like 20% in a day, but sometimes it's like I look at my wrist halfway through the day and it's already at 50%. And I can still get all the way to the end of the day without worrying about it, but it it's variable.
2: Oh, I noticed that they didn't uh talk about battery life specs for series 2. So, I'm kind of assuming that there's no improvement there uh I wouldn't be surprised if
1: practical battery life doesn't change all that much like you still want to charge every day but um I mean I would hope that that Apple of sort of if they're really taking this market seriously if they're really taking this segment seriously they're moving to like I don't know 14 LPC right a finFET node and and that would be huge for battery life
0: well, we could go on about how Intel is opening up 10 nanometer to ARM and how that's going to change in a couple of, change the landscape in a couple of years. Um, but with, with, with smartwatches, I mean, I've, I'm, I've been trying the basic ones, the, um, Huawei Talk Band. Um, the first, the first edition I tried gave me two days of battery life, you know, just for a basic step counter, sleep counter, and date. And time and two days of battery really annoyed me. Um, with the latest edition, the B3, I now get about four days, which is. Yeah. So I got, I got about bearable. four days with the pebble, but I, I, it doesn't matter if
1: I throw the thing in the desk and never use it. Then, yeah. it, then battery life is irrelevant, right?
0: <laughs> so, uh, pre-orders for the watch start September 9th, shipping yep. September 16th. Yeah, so that's uh, that's aligned with the iPhone 7. Um, do we know if we're getting a Watch to, a Watch Series 2? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, we should definitely be getting an iPhone, though. One of the new ones. Right. IPhone, one way or another. Uh, one way. Um, so the big news of the event was the launch of the iPhone 7. Um, yes, that was and, the
1: other big announcement.
0: And 7 Plus, it's... Um, I mean where to begin aside from new soc dude the soc that's interesting that's that's the interesting thing i think so 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 you don't think losing the audio jack is interesting oh we'll get to that but <laughs> i think everybody can
1: at least agree that what apple is doing with the soc this time is pretty new and interesting right it's worth you know like what 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 sets it apart does it work right it's rare to see it's rare to see them do something sort of like that that really is different from what they've done in the past as far as SOCs go, right? They've sort of we first, they started off Apple. Their SoCs started off as sort of these traditional they they take an ARM reference CPU design, right? The Cortex A eight, A9, and you know, they add some other IP blocks. Maybe maybe they do some some custom layout, right? But for the most part, it didn't look all that different from what we saw in Android SoCs, right? So Qualcomm, what Qualcomm was doing, what Systems LSI over at Samsung was doing, um, OMAP, and all, what else, Tegra. This
0: was back in iPhone 3GS, iPhone 4. Yeah, this was like way back in the day. I was still like a freshman in high school. So moving on to the iPhone 5 and the iPhone 6. Right, have... so that
1: was that was the first custom CPU cores, you know, custom CPU architectures that Apple was really implementing. And with Cyclone, we got this big bump to, you know, I get, you know, they called it desktop class architecture and sort of, but if you look at all of this, right, they've generally stuck to a design for CPU cores, at least, where you had, Two, one, two, maybe three or four, right, at most CPU cores at fairly reasonable frequencies, you know, like nothing too crazy for the process node.
0: These were cores that were designed to be high performance but also low power when they needed to be, which was kind of of contrary to the current understanding of every other smartphone in the industry.
1: Right, so ARM adopted this idea of we're going to have... Two different types of CPU cores, you know, like, and then and then we're going to use these heterogeneous cores to do to sort of get the best of both worlds and more dynamic range and performance, right?
0: Uh, so the idea is when you design a CPU core, you design it for a particular power budget and performance window. And the more you move it outside of that window, the the less it's applicable to what you want it for. So if you have high performance cores running at high power, you pair them with low performance cores at low power. But Apple. Right, didn't exactly.
1: This. Right. So so they were kind of limiting their 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 theoretically possible dynamic range, right? Yeah. Um, because you're limited by sort of like, okay, well, you can only make stuff like the oxide so thin, you can only make the gate so thin before you start getting like major leakage issues, and to 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 have the clock you know, without timing issues on the critical path, then you sort of need to do these things, which means more power. But as a result, when you try to go to low performance, you don't really get the sort of power benefits that you might expect. That if you sort of designed the architecture and the implementation from the outset to target a lower clock, right?
0: But the... the... The way they they had it implemented in the iPhone 5, the iPhone 6, and you know the associated iPads actually worked rather
2: well. Right. Exactly. Is,
1: so it's been working pretty well for them.
2: I think so, what the, uh, Apple is running into is that you know they've gone through a couple of generations now, and there's going to be fewer you know improvements they can make with the microarchitecture. So we've seen the the past you know with the A9 and now the A10 presumably they're bumping up clock frequency a lot more to to get that extra performance, whereas previously it was more architecture. Um, so, you know, like Josh well, was do, saying, do, do, when when they do, bumped do, do, the frequency, do, do. they... What's that? So, so I was going to say, don't forget, what they did
0: one node on 20-nanometer planar, which really cut out frequencies because there were power issues.
2: Right, but as you move to higher frequencies, then, um, like Josh was saying you have to make uh, certain changes that um even though you reduce the clock speed you're not going to um regain the same the, the same you know amount of power yeah so i think that's kind of forced their hand into going with this semi big little architecture in A10
0: so right. normally with normally with big little we see um, big cores like the A72 or the A57 Paired with smaller cores like the ARM um, Cortex A53, but Apple are actually pairing their big CPU core with their own small CPU core. We don't really know at this point. Yeah,
1: so we don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's they're both custom,
0: and I'm not sure. I'm I I'm pretty sure that they're not the same architecture. They so we know that the big core is going to be kind of similar to what's in the iPhone 6 and 6s, right? Right, but the the smaller core is designed to be what do they say five times more power efficient? Yeah, a fifth the power. There we go, which is almost the same thing. Almost,
2: but, yeah, but so, not quite. So likely, it's going to be a an in, in order core like the A fifty three, but of their own design. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I suspect it'll be a too wide in order.
2: It has to yeah, be. If it's going to
0: be that. That's low plausible.
1: Power. Right. The, yeah, that's totally, that's, that's totally reasonable. It depends. Really, what... really the issue for them, for, for Apple is that if you go with the custom CPU core, then you have to do like your own interconnect. And then at that point, like there, there's a lot that you have to do to, to get like a Cortex-A53 to work with custom interconnect fabric, right? You, you have to implement sort of a lot of your own not like your interconnect has to be designed for it instead of just whatever you feel like.
0: Yeah, you can't just shove ARM's interconnect in there without any modifications if you're right. a custom CPU cores. But uh, Apple has been absorbing a few semiconductor companies over the years, um, not only on CPU stuff, but also you know, SSD controllers and what have you. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have sufficient teams to be able to do everything.
2: Yes, they've they've been expanding their team, I guess. In is it Austin, Texas? Uh, but they've been adding uh, a lot of people to that team recently.
1: Right. So, so I think that's like this SOC, right? Because um, the other thing is, is they mentioned like a hardware performance controller, and and that's something that I haven't seen anywhere else, at least publicly. Nobody has really talked about it, um, and so. The question is: Is is this is this going to look like big little HMP? And I'm I'm leaning towards the answer is probably no. So I
0: mean, H, HMP means you've got a big high power cluster and a small low power cluster, and it right it manages the workloads between them based on what it thinks is necessary for power efficiency. Right, but more importantly,
1: the 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 sort of the applications themselves can see all cores, right? Yep. So, so there are a few, the three dominant modes in the ARM world for Big Little are cluster migration, where you only see a single cluster, and it just migrates between the two, um, sort of seamlessly. Uh, it does, and, it and, does that in hardware. Right.
0: Uh,
1: there's also software components, like sort of at the kernel level, and then you have the in-kernel switcher, which is core migration, right? So you, you see sort of, Independent CPU cores and then, and then you migrate, threads get migrated between the big and little cores sort of in pairs, right? Uh, instead of as a total cluster, either one thing runs, everything runs on big or everything runs on little core migration. Each core can switch between big and little. That's sort of the working principle. And then HMP is everything is active all the time if it needs to be. Um, you still have, you know, sort of power gating per core, um, all of this, you know, the same power saving features, but but everything can be assigned dynamically to any core, basically. And we think Apple is probably doing something completely different? They're probably, it probably looks like the core migration strategy. I wouldn't be surprised, but they may be doing more of it in hardware than than sort of what we've seen in the ARM space.
0: So moving on from the SoC um we're going to ha- we're going to see if we can pick it apart eventually when we get a device yes. um but it's also paired with what we believe to be a power VR 6 clustered GPU um they didn't say any model this time whether it's the same one as the um iPhone 6 or the uh, latest to come out of their imagination um but we'll obviously probe that and see if it's similar or as efficient um so, other hardware selections. Um, we believe there's going to be two sets of modems. With yeah, the it's possible.
1: It's possible. It could um, be Qualcomm. Uh, probably the CDMA variants are Qualcomm, and then sort of GSM, WCDMA, LTE is going to be Intel. I think we've seen that with the iPhone four and four, uh, four and four S. Right, the four S was when we first got the CDMA variants.
0: Well so the, the the whole thing used to be that, you know, for most I m for most Apple devices they purely went with Qualcomm external modems to the SOC and Apple being one of the very few large purchasers of separate modems for smartphones now. And Qualcomm had a grip on the US market especially because they were the only provider able to do high-powered modems, but also supported CDMA. But now, Intel purchased uh, VIA's te- a technology division in VIA. Yeah, VIA Telecom. VIA Telecom, which have a CDMA license and IP um, to integrate into their modems. However, that acquisition by Intel was only done last year. Bearing in mind that Intel also shut down their smartphone SOC division last year they completely scrapped it as far as we understand but they still have their baseband division active and running and i mean you guys have met aish Revens, um who was heading up that division always talking constantly about the ability to provide the correct baseband for the right market and have the right team and get it in time to market and i remember at the, was it the beginning of this year She said, if I don't have a big contract, you won't see me by the end of the year. I guess
1: she was talking about Apple.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And at the time we said, well, who, who is going to buy Intel modems and why would they need CDMA? Your answer is Apple. And there's at least four different variants of the iPhone seven and seven plus listed online, you know, for different carriers in the US and elsewhere in the world. So we're kind of assuming. It's it's a pretty strong indicator that there are some devices that are going to be Intel modem powered, and some that are going to be Qualcomm modem powered. Now, whether that actually has a an influence on, say, the battery life will depend on you know, that. Would be interesting. Modem gate.
1: Modem uh, gate. You you heard it here first.
0: Is this going to be an issue where we had? Samsung and TSMC SOCs, Last Generation and Dude, we have to we posts. have to make
1: something up for, for clicks. It's
0: all about ah, the clicks. Stop thinking in clickbait titles, Josh.
1: <laughs> but seriously, Your iPhone think... may have a modem problem. Number two shocked me. Okay, no.
0: No, it's 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 an interesting play. It means Intel is definitely getting some of that market share. Probably to Qualcomm's chagrin, and we don't know at what cost these modems have been provided to Apple, except that they have to provide millions of them. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Apple's even... getting a smoking deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, we won't. We don't even know what process they're made on. I mean, basebands are usually done on pretty loose processes, aren't they? Forty and uh, so millimeter. so
1: the RF front end is right. The RF front end is like hundred eighty nanometers. Usually something like that because um, you don't really get the benefits that you do from deep scaled, and the variability issues are a much bigger problem. Yeah. Uh, and then sort of the transceiver can benefit, but it sort of depends. I've I haven't seen a transceiver made at a node smaller than twenty eight. And
0: but the modem, is pretty cheap these days.
1: Right, but but. Again there's sort of it, it's analog so there there are different issues at play there. It's not just, yeah. you know, smaller is better. Uh it, it really depends. And then but the modem is pretty much all digital, right? There there may be some digital to analog conversion, but by and large you're looking at like pretty much a Linux computer. Like I'm pretty sure a lot of these modems run Linux, like full Linux. And they they they're doing a lot of processing using digital logic so they benefit from deep scaled everything right so that's why a20 has a 14 finFET modem um i don't know if they have a 14 finFET modem that's external yet all right um, yeah i haven't heard of one is
2: 9x45 it no i'm not
1: sure if 9x45 no i think that, yeah i don't think so
2: yeah those are 20 um i haven't heard of, they haven't announced a a finFET um, standalone modem, but of course Apple could be the first customer we don't know.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So, modem, SoC, let's talk about this audio issue. Um, so, oh, man. So Apple have done away with the 35 millimeter audio jack on the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus, if you haven't heard about it already. Um this means that all your standard three point five millimeter headphones that you've been using up to this point you can't use directly with your new iPhone. however, Apple have provided a bundle adapter for free um which is the interesting part for free, such that you can you can use your headset you just can't charge your smartphone at the same time. But you could buy, apparently there's a
1: Belkin announcement or something that lets you buy a dongle that is huge and bulky, it seems, that lets you do both. So,
0: Okay, so there will be solutions in the market if you're prepared to pay for it.
1: Right. I think, so. you know, like, I'm pretty sure that in, like, a month or two, we're going to see sort of this stuff on Amazon from various resellers of Shenzhen goods yeah. for like two dollars so
0: it, it, it could be a non-issue but it's clear that Apple are moving towards devices with a single port for everything same with the Macbook um, right. the new tiny ones right
1: can, can I just say that that this has been like so there, there, I'm seeing two sides to this one is the side that this is the greatest mistake that Apple has ever made and it's the dumbest thing they've ever done and that and we're just going to endlessly make fun of them for it, right? And and these are all the, sort of like the edgelords that that have, you know, whatever on the front page of Reddit. And sort of like every journalist on every site that wants to give their hot take on how removing the 3.5 millimeter jack is the greatest travesty to ever to ever be done in the history of technology. And then you have the other side, which is like everything Apple does is perfect. There's no way this could ever be a mistake. You know, like, th- there's a plan, there's whatever,
0: right? I feel like no one has considered the possibility that both sides are wrong. If both sides are wrong, then please tell us what is right, oh Grandmaster Josh. <laughs> so so I'm not saying, like, I'm, I'm some god either,
1: right? But, you know, I think it's not necessarily a bad
0: idea to get rid of the 3.5mm jack. Right. So, so well, my opinion is that people will adjust very quickly, especially if there are lightning to three and a half millimeter adapters out there, and they become some somewhat ubiquitous and cheap. Right.
1: So, I I think the the bigger question is is how often do people listen to audio and charge the phone at the same time? That's really what this boils down to, right? Um, the
0: people who listen to, yeah. Audio right, through so if, the headphones, because I listen right. to audio a lot while the smartphone is still charging, but that's usually on speaker mode. Right. So I, I almost never use headphones with my phones because I guess I hate audio
1: quality or something. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't really have, like, I don't carry around
0: earbuds and listen to music all the time. Um, my, 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 my smartwatch pops out as a Bluetooth receiver anyway. So half the time, if I want to listen to audio, but I don't want anybody else to listen to it, I'll just stick that in my ear. Anyway, right. so yeah, the only time I use uh, three and a half millimeter uh, headphones is if I'm walking along and my iPod has run out of battery, and given that I think the battery is now crapped out, that's distinct possibility, or I'm flying and I decide that I've got better music on my smartphone. I mean, I don't know. What's
2: your take on this, Matt? I think Apple just hates the number three point five. I mean, first it was three and a half floppies, and now the three and a half millimeter headphone jack.
0: <laughs> That's possible, maybe. Um, don't, don't don't forget, Apple also championed FireWire, so and look how right. popular that is. Yeah, but see, I mean, I apple think...
2: is Apple is clearly moving to an, you know wireless connections, so um, they're just trying to sever all ties that they can. Well, yeah. Right, but
1: but see the whole thing there is that you have to manage the transition, right? It's not going to happen overnight. Sure, but bundling a free adapter helps. Yeah. yeah, it does, but I I think if you don't make it you know like foolproof for the third party to to do, right? Then then you run into this issue where because you have to acknowledge that there's going to be like a whole host of like fakes out on the market, right? People are going to because the idea of we're going to undercut Apple by like three dollars, five dollars, it and then you know like make money off of that that that's mm. that's pretty appealing. Someone's going to go for it, especially with volume.
0: Well, right. we'll, we'll see. We'll see how easy it is um, for this transition to make. But there are benefits to removing the three and a half millimeter jack. There's more room for battery. There's uh, a bigger taptic engine. So right. Vibrations feel a lot stronger. I mean, I, mean, right. I remember. And that
1: enables the home button to be solid state, um, without sort of going basically completely
0: feedbackless
1: like the HTC 10.
0: Um, we'll get to the HTC 10 in a minute because I know it's been a sore topic, um, with some, <laughs> some of our readers. Possibly,
1: uh, yes. Uh,
0: but, 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 but explain what they've done with the home button.
1: Yeah, so the home button now basically doesn't click. It's no longer a physical button right? So when when you press it, it's capacitive, and then there's a force sensor that senses how hard you're pushing on the button, and that's what it uses to simulate the home button. And, and to give you the haptic feedback so you know when you've reached the activation point for force, um, the tactic engine
0: activates to sort of feel like you clicked it. Okay. So removal... It, that. That could mean that in the future the button does get smaller to accommodate a larger screen-to-body ratio, I imagine. Uh, that's possible. Yeah, we'll have to see. They, they, they've still got fingerprint recognition in the sensor, right?
1: Right, Touch ID is still there. Yep. Uh, it's not under sort of the cover glass yet. I don't think anyone's shipped something like that, but it's still sort of like a very obvious separate sensor with a metal ring. Uh, it just doesn't move anymore. I wonder if we're ever going to see a... um fingerprint sensor on the back with Apple? Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I really don't know. I I I think it's important to not write anything off, right?
2: Personal preference, I prefer fingerprint sensors on the back. I'm not sure how you guys feel. I just think from a design standpoint, I wouldn't see Apple doing that. You know, they're they're all about, you know, clean, minimalist design and uh, I don't see them putting a big circle in the middle of the back, especially when they Interrupting their Apple. What if logo? it was the
1: Apple logo? Yeah. Yeah, what if it was the Apple logo? That'd be, I guess that would be one way of doing it, but. They'd have to shift, shift it up the back, though, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So, probably stay on the front. I would, you know, and also it's sort of like a familiarity thing. People would get really confused if the home
0: button's gone. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's part of the, uh, you buy an Apple phone, you know what to expect with certain features. That being one of them. Okay, so moving on from audio and the home button, the device is now water resistant. Is it IP sixty seven or sixty
1: eight? Yes, it's it's IP sixty seven, and really, I think part of the reason why the three point five millimeter jack sort of went away was because of water resistance. Yeah, right. It's much harder to. That's another.
0: The the audio jack is a huge ingress point for water. It does mean that we are going to see probably a one out of ten repairability rating on iFixit.
1: Uh it's possible that you could you could easily repair it, but as soon as you do, all water
2: resistance is gone. Yeah, yeah. You'd, right. You'd have to replace all of the gaskets and and adhesives. Right. So, so you could open it up, but you, you'll lose your water resistance.
1: Yeah, because yeah. there's still like two screws, the pentalobe screws at the bottom of the phone. So I'm assuming that. This assembly is still similar vaguely
0: to the 6s mm. yeah um didn't they say something about the speakers the speakers actually actively pissing out the water so that's the apple watch series oh, okay. two. That, that's, that's the
1: watch that's not the phone. yeah and so what that is is um there's a mode that you can set it in where if you've taken it into the water you can set it so that it it Activates the speakers to force the water out of
0: the speaker enclosure. As well, a sort of low frequency, high frequency vibration. I don't know. Uh, it's it's probably low frequency, like but high displacement, right? Sort yep. of you want to push it out. Yeah, but that's that. That's not in the iPhone. Okay, I mean mi- I misremembered that. Yeah, it isn't. So water resistance. I think that's just going to stop people, or at least you know they're going to. You can now drop it in the toilet and then put it but right back mm. next to your face again, and it'll <laughs> yeah, I guess
1: that's I guess that's one solution. But see, like, if you look at the all the advertisement around it, as soon as the ad ends, Apple like for Apple videos on the iPhone Seven for water resistance, it says water damage is not covered by the warranty, and so really you shouldn't even trust it. I, I don't think it's like really? one meter of water for half an hour, so. And this is standard for pretty much every water-resistant phone. Everyone says, we're not going to cover water damage, almost universally. And, and Unless the
0: water resistance actually
1: fails, then it's a product failure. Yeah, like the, the Galaxy
2: S7 Active.
1: Yeah, but, but that's like media attention. It's not really... It's more like, yeah, we're going to give you a free replacement so you go away, but we're not going to actually
0: cover it. Yeah, yeah. So... Move, moving on from water resistance, the the 7 Plus has a dual camera design. Now, it, dual cameras are seem to be one of the next big things in smartphones. I mean, how many smartphones this year have come out with dual cameras now? Uh, 5 V9, Honor 8, uh, G5, V20.
1: That's at least four, right? Yeah. Uh, thinking about what else. I guess the V10 last year was dual front-facing camera. Um, oh. The M8? Um, the Butterfly Two. It's, yeah, it's getting it's getting to a point where oh, the high-end devices. Was high it a Butterfly devices? Two or Butterfly Three? Did that exist? I don't remember. It was a Butterfly phone that was with the M8. It was a companion, and then the M9 Plus.
0: Fair to say that high-end smartphones is now becoming right. Yeah. So what 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 what, what does dual camera on the uh, Plus do? So right now at shipping, the the only feature that it does is. Zoom.
1: Better zoom. Yeah,
2: so it works like the G5 and not the P9. So unlike the P9, it's not combining um, images from both sensors to try and improve image quality. It's literally two separate cameras like the G5. One has a a wide-angle lens, and one has a quote-unquote telephoto lens, which is not telephoto at all.
1: Yeah, it's like a portrait lens more like, I think. It's like fifty millimeter equivalent.
2: Yeah, it's like fifty so, I think it was fifty six millimeters and right around just over fifty millimeters, I think, is basically the same magnification that you would see with your naked eye. So obviously it right? yep. it's a I think it's a good um because you know the smartphone cameras with these wide angle lenses, um, it's really hard to capture anything that's more than a few feet away from you because everything is is you know such a small magnification
1: right yeah actually i have this problem because sometimes when i'm walking outside for some reason um around the neighborhood i'll run into like cats and stuff and um i don't know if you've noticed but usually like most animals aren't going to just let you walk right up to them like into their personal space so but if you want to take like a photo of it then then i'm like basically doing like insane digital zoom to, to do anything useful. Yeah. So that's, so now you can get better cat pictures
0: than ever. (laughs) So, um, with the, with the dual camera, they, they, they did, they said two times optical or is the equivalent. Yes. Along with, you know, 10 times digital, which is almost useless. Yeah. So
1: I, I don't, you might as well just take it at two X and then just crop the photo afterwards. It's the same thing. Yeah. I think they're yep.
2: doing some, you know, depth mapping to improve the. So it's not like your typical uh, digital zoom where it's just cropping it. I think they're actually calculating a depth map and uh, doing some post processing to make it image quality a little bit better.
0: Well, they said they do a hundred billion calculations in 25 milliseconds for it. Um, <laughs> in mind, I'm pretty I... sure. I'm pretty sure that if you if you sit down and do the calculations right now, you
2: can figure out the exact clock speed of their ISP. <laughs> pretty sure, roughly. What? Josh, do you know if both of the uh, rear cameras had OIS? Uh,
1: I wasn't actually able to test because the thing is, is that with with Apple's cameras, um, OIS is never running in preview. Never ever. Um, oh, the only time I've seen it run live is when you record video and i i actually just didn't test that i just
0: forgot about it well we'll we'll get a device and we'll test um yeah but what, what one of the other features that they were promoting was a high color gamut on the photos
1: right so i'm pretty sure i wouldn't be surprised to know if the camera itself supported that gamut p3 i think that's what they're targeting Um, but they just never bothered to implement it until now because they didn't have the displays,
0: Um, and if you don't have the displays to render it, then who cares, right? Well, so the whole whole point of this is when a camera takes a photo, it it can only do so many accurate color representations, and it will try and map what it sees to what it's nearest that it can support, and the idea is that the new cameras can support more colors and more of the visual range, to get better quality photos. Right. But, I I know Brandon was saying, um, yes, you can take the high quality, the high gamut photos, but that only works if you can actually see them on a high gamut display.
2: You know, right now, almost all the displays are sRGB. So, you know, unless you're looking at the photos on the iPhone Seven or the iPad Pro, um, you're not going to see the extra colors. But you know, you have to start somewhere. You know, it's the the chicken and egg problem. If if nobody makes content in P3, then nobody's going to make screens that can display it.
0: It's all right. There's pl- there's plenty and plenty of seventy two percent NTSC devices coming out of Asia to view <laughs> view content on.
2: <laughs> And of course the other thing that goes along with that uh is the uh color management that's built into iOS and OS ten, so that oh. you can actually view them in the native gamut. Um, you know that's been the, the problem with Android since it doesn't do And it, Windows.
0: And yeah, Windows to some, to some, extent, some extent,
2: yeah. Um, because they don't have color management, uh particularly on Android, Android only knows SRGB. That's that's it. It just assumes all content is SRGB and just throws that on the screen, and you get what you get. Um, So, yes, the colors look more vibrant, but they're not at all accurate.
1: Yeah, speaking of display, so I think actually this may be sort of the sore point as far as the iPhone 7 goes. Maybe not the 7 Plus, but the 7. I think the resolution may be a little bit too low. Uh, They did give us like P3, and I think they said it's now like 600-something nits, Typical brightness?
2: Yeah, it's brighter and it's now a high gamut display.
1: Right. But I, th- I think the, the dis- you know, because I, I used the iPhone 6 for a pretty long time because I wanted to see what happens long term, right? That, that's always of interest to me is how do these devices age? And I think the iPhone 6, the display, I think it could be better, right? Um, you know, like... I think with the six and six S, it was all right, but I, now we're like pretty much everything is quad HD, so it's much more noticeable that the resolution of that display is pretty low.
0: Well, so the the iPhone seven has a thirteen thirty four by seven fifty resolution, right. doesn't it re- render it higher internally and scale down? Yes, uh, I think I think it does, yeah. Because um, don't get me wrong, I mean. I've I've used 720p five inch smartphones before, um, 5.5 inch 720p smartphones, and the big benefit there is obviously battery life because you're not rendering as many pixels. Um, yeah, it's I don't know I I guess for what I use it for, which is mainly writing and watch and uh, reading the news, I don't see that much of a difference. Um, I don't get me wrong, yeah, that's I get true. I get the whole point of higher quality displays, especially when you're reading in a language where definition pixel to pixel matters so much more. Right, Chinese. Yeah. But is 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 doing such a low resolution on the iPhone 7 that much of a deal breaker? I don't think it's
1: necessarily a deal breaker, but it's like these phones are really expensive. <laughs> like so it's 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 more like you want it for the sake of like you know like other stuff is better almost.
0: I mean, um, I guess you could argue, well, you could make the photos look better on the screen or FaceTime might look better, but most people have really rubbish quality connections for FaceTime anyway, so.
1: I mean, it's more like I can't even play back 1080p video at native resolution. Well, yeah, there's
2: that. Yeah, I mean, but
1: I'm not sure that you could do that with iPhone 7, even if you scaled up.
2: I mean, there is a pretty big cost for uh, whenever Apple changes display resolutions, as far as developers go. Um, and with all of the rumors that Apple will be moving to OLED displays in the near future, which will necess- necessitate them bumping up resolution to QHD, um, I can understand why they you know, left it alone for the iPhone 7. Are you saying the
0: 7S will have an OLED display? You heard it here first. Or you heard the prediction. We don't know. Just to clarify, we don't know. Um, rubers. Feel free to discuss. Is there much else about the um, 7 and 7 Plus to discuss? I mean, storage options? We no longer have uh, 16... We thank no longer have God 16... 32 gig is done. Thank God. Uh, 16 gig. 16 yeah. gig is done 32 is now the minimum which covers pretty much most people yes and i guess top, we could talk about tip. jet black <laughs> we could talk about the
1: design um it's Expl- it is Expl- it, it's kind of like the iphone 6s right it's different but the iphone 7 is it's different right it's you're not going to confuse it if you know what you're looking for at a distance
0: uh I heard you weren't a big fan of Jet Black.
1: Yes, it was so it it looks different, right? So if you wanna have you want to have the most different iPhone seven, the Jet Black will will get you there. Um it is it's also a- extremely glossy, like attracts fingerprints like no other, and I'm pretty sure because it's so glossy and because aluminum oxide, the anodization is not going to be like glass in terms of you know, wear resistance, that you're going to show scratches almost immediately. So if you care about stuff like that, just get the regular sandblasted finish.
2: Yeah, the satin black looks good.
1: Yeah, I think black
0: is great. Don't worry, Josh, we'll get you rose gold. Ah, yes. It'll be great. I'm going to love it. (laughs) We think you're going to love it. I I, uh, I used the uh, Mate S Force Touch in rose gold for months. That was fine. No, Nobody questioned my masculinity. No, true, they didn't. Nobody cared.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure people really care all that
0: much about what color your phone is these days. I was, I was having an interesting discussion with um, a couple of phone manufacturers at IFA last week saying, you know, back 10 years ago when smartphones started, people got their smartphones, they customized the hell out of it. You know, custom backgrounds, custom ringtones, cases, everything. Whereas nowadays people buy smartphones, and when it comes to upgrades, you know, the smartphone is essentially still stock, still stock backgrounds, everything. So is it just me, or is customization of smartphones dying because people just don't have enough time these days, or smartphones? Honestly, I think it's
1: because it's more like out of the box experience is important. And also, really, like most, I think there's really not a lot of value to that, right? Um, functionally, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, the phone is still just a phone. Um, and also like at the end of the day, your phone is not different from any other person's phone just because you have a different background, right? Yeah. If you want a different, if you want to be special, go, go buy a special phone. That's sort of, I think
0: that's sort of how that works. We'll see. Um, Prices for the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus um, is about $700, wasn't it? Yeah, the base it starts model? At like
1: 650 I think. 650 for iPhone 7. And then every jump is an extra $100. Um, In storage. And then to go from 7 to 7 Plus is another $100. So
0: So you're still looking at about ten fifty, eleven hundred 1100 for the 256 gig iPhone 7 Plus.
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: Um, They are rolling out their Apple upgrade program to the UK and China. So from, they said, as little as $32 a month, as long as your iPhone is still of reasonable condition, you can upgrade every year. Just hand it back and they'll give you the brand new one.
1: I feel like that leads to why people don't customize their phone, because it's like, if you're on an upgrade plan every year for some reason, like, does yeah. it really matter? Because you're just going to you know like whatever mark you leave on it is just going to be you're just going to be moving on to the next thing anyways
0: you just transfer everything over and then it's done right um so in terms of our review plan for the iPhone 7 and 7 plus um we know apple does waves of sampling and previously we've been part of the second wave not the first wave just cuz that's I don't how think apple we'd works. be talking
1: about this if we were in the first wave really
0: well, it's um, people who get in the first wave tend to be, you know, release day, day after release day reviews. Um, but right. because... But or because you could take I, like an extra two weeks. Could do. Um, which is probably when we'll get our samples. Um, I, I've been speaking with Ryan about this, because um, Josh is going to be heading up the review for the most part. We want to get... The first part of the review will probably be the device, you know, just... As it compares to all the other new flagships around the market, um, including the HTC Ten, which should be done before we get to the iPhone review. Yes, let's really, really hope. (laughs) Really start burning the midnight oil there. Don't worry, we have total faith in you. Yes, Um, but the SOC is obviously going to be a big part of the iPhone Seven and Seven Plus, um, which we'll probably stick into a part two because that will require more time and more analysis. Um, so expect the review to be in two parts um coming out over the next month or so i'd imagine right we'll see uh really i think the emphasis here is don't take forever don't worry we'll we'll we'll, we'll crack the whip um i know you've got school starting up soon um so we'll yes. see we'll see New how
1: much your year, we... year of electrical engineering this is going to be fun uh, do,
2: do do you remember college Matt? i do it was a long time ago but i remember it
1: yeah. No, I feel I like I'm not going to remember college because I have so little sleep
0: sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. For the for, the, for this podcast I'm going to split it up into two sections. Um the first section was the the iPhone. Um and we'll have the second situation second section as a separate video for everybody. Alright guys, thanks for being part of the podcast, Um, and we hope that everybody who's listening in tunes into the second part.